Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Glasgow, Gunny Nelson versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. And man, what a main event we got this Sunday afternoon. Yeah, man, I can't wait for this uh, card. We got Santiago, who is on quite the streak, uh, three straight wins in a row, and he's fighting one of the best at 170, Gunny Nelson. Man, my history when it comes to betting against Ponzinibbio isn't the best. I'll tell you that right now. As as mine is too, man. It's uh, you know, we lost on Cummings, we lost on Taleb. I did at least. So uh, you know, let's see if we might be able to use him this time. Well, what was the third one? Because I know there was another one I, I missed uh, on there. Was it Court McGee? I don't know. I didn't bet on that. Uh, Definitely wasn't Court McGee, but there had there there was one more in that mix. Sean Strickland. There yeah, it is, Sean, Sean Strickland. Strickland. Yeah. Yep, back in Brazil. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. So. Man, we're coming off a good weekend. You know, obviously, Bilal Muhammad came through. I needed that win because it's funny. So I took two straight L's, and, uh, you know, I I'm up 43 units this year with a 26% ROI, which is kind of unheard of in this game. So when I do take an L, people go crazy, man. Like, I was getting emails like, you know, how could you bet on Coke? How could you bet on Taru? It's like, listen, yes, Gray Maynard and Clay Guida won those fights, but don't get it twisted. I'm going to be looking to fade them for the rest of their careers, not just those spots, but... You know, from here on out, and you know, you take a little L, and all of a sudden, people are like, "Man, well, you know, maybe you got too many other things going on in your life." It's like, well, did you bet on Douglas Lima or Brad Tavares or any of those sharp plays or Demir Hadzovic? And they're like, "No, I just played a uh, Coke and Taru." You can't sit here and pick and choose which bets you're gonna do. I mean, you can. You know, this is America. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But if you're gonna tail me long term, just play. Everything I say to play, exactly how I say to play it, you're going to win long term. 43 units, 26% ROI. Who else puts up numbers like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my betting weekend was perfect this past weekend. You know, I had Tisha Torres and Cody Stamen in that parlay, and it was both easy money. And then, uh, you know, we won on Bilal Muhammad straight, like minus 146. And then, um, uh, who else did I bet on? Uh, and James Krause, and uh, I parlayed James Krause and Bilal Muhammad. So, you know, it was a perfect week. And there was some, oh, yeah, Brad Tavares. So it was oh, a yeah, Brad Tavares week. came through. You yeah. see Elias complaining yeah. about the decision. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> you know, so it, it's funny, man. You know, I I, uh, I rebounded in flying colors, which I am known for. But uh, you had a perfect weekend there, man. Yeah, man. It was, a, it was a good weekend, you know, to get back on track. And, um, you know, I got a different, a different approach to this card. And, um, you know, I think we're going to win. I do as well, man. And let's get right down to business because, look, we got Brett Johns. He's minus 370. The comeback on Albert the Warrior Morales is plus 310. Now, I think Brett Johns is no slouch at all. I mean, you go watch that UFC debut. And not only that, you go watch him on the regional scene when he's beating UFC vets. The entries to his takedowns, the relentless style he brings to the table. Brett Johns is no slouch at all, man. And I understand why he's a favorite here. But I don't understand why he's a close to a 4-1 to one favorite here, man. I think it should be closer. Look, this kid, Albert Morales, he's been developing before our eyes in the UFC. He comes into the UFC super young. And, I mean, this is a guy, he was incarcerated when he was 21. You know what I'm saying? He had to change his whole life around, and that's exactly what he did. Now he's like a role model for all the kids where he comes from, and I got so much respect for him. But as far as this matchup goes, because obviously none of that shit has anything to do with the fight itself. That's just on a personal level. Man, Albert's super athletic for the weight for the weight class. He's got very good takedown defense. Statistically, it says 85%. I think it's actually 75% because you know he's stuffed three or four uh, attempted takedowns. I think they got that stat wrong. But bottom line, 75% takedown defense. I think that's pretty fucking good. And when he got taken down against Sukumtut, I think what people fail to realize is so he goes out there, he wins the first round, and he said in an interview re recently that he blew himself out trying to go for that single leg in the second round, and Sukumtut got on top of him. But Morales had a 
he had to grit through it. He had to dig deep. He goes out there. He wins the third round. Gets his first UFC win, man. Since that fight, he added, he added a strength and conditioning program to his training regimen. Because, you know, he felt like, man, well, I come out really strong on my fights, but I gas out. I need to address this. So, you know, the team at Black House, they did everything in their power to get a really good strength and conditioning program. I wonder what that entails. It's probably serious as fuck. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I expect Albert to come in here and be in way better shape than he's ever been. Also, the kid has 37 minutes of UFC experience already. You know what I'm saying? That goes a very long way. He knows what it's like to win, lose, and draw inside the UFC's octagon. I think this is a very good chance for him to go out there and hand Brett Johns his first ever UFC defeat. And I think the way he's going to do it is he's got to stuff early. And he's been known to stuff early as well. And he's been known to get back to his feet early. We can't expend too much energy. We got to be calm, cool, calculated out there. And I think that he can go out there, win the decision against the very tough, very dangerous Brett Johns, who I think is going to have a very bright future inside the UFC's octagon. Yeah, Brett Johns, he's well-rounded. I like his corner team. His corner and him, they communicate very well. You know, Brett Johns, he's got good takedowns. But, you know, I saw some uh, vulnerability inside the pocket in his fight with Quan Ho. He got tagged a few times. And, you know, I feel like Albert, he has to make this dirty. He has got to make this a brawl. Albert's more of a brawler with all, you know, all-around skills. You know, he's really good. But uh, at plus 310, how could you not take the shot? This fight kind of reminds me of... You know, Sergio Pettis and uh, Henry Cejudo, where the line is so in favor of one guy when, in all honesty, it's a 50-50 fight. So I'm going to take that value on Albert Morales, and hopefully he can make it a war and, you know, edge out a 29-28 decision. But Johns is going to have his moments. Johns is no slouch. And uh, I think you just take the value pick here. Yeah, I mean, look, I got it plus 325, which is laughable almost. Look, if it was plus 150, I'd probably stay away because I do think, I mean, not plus 150. If it was plus 125, I'd probably stay away because it should be about, you know, minus plus 150. It should yeah. be like, you know, minus 150 Johns. That, you know, yeah. okay, I understand that. But when you disrespect someone as tough, as game, as athletic as Albert Morales, you know, you put him at plus 325. Listen, man, this is a game where, look, yeah, Bektik is better than Elkins, but when you disrespect Elkins and he's plus 600, you just have to play the market inefficiency. And that's exactly what I'm doing here, Shaq. Yeah, Albert, he's a tough kid. He, he also has some vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities like John's as well. He gets tagged inside the pocket when he gets tired, but like you said, he can stuff takedowns. And if he makes this a long fight, a war, I think he could scrape it out. I mean, his wrestling coach is Kenny Johnson. Exactly. So we know he's getting the good work in. And uh, let's see if Johns can consistently get those takedowns. I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens. Even if Brett Johns goes out there and wins, you know, I'm high on both guys. I think both guys have a very bright future, but at this price, I have to play the dog. I wouldn't be shocked if Brett Johns won a 30-27, but I'm taking the value just because, in my opinion, it's a 50-50 fight. Indeed. Nah. Speaking of a fight that might not be a 50-50 fight, we got Galore Bofondo. He's minus 220. The comeback on Charlie Ward is plus 180. Now, Charlie Ward is uh, what we like to refer to as a jobber. Someone that's brought in to lose. Someone that's brought in to make me look good. Now, the interesting part about this is actually Galore is being brought in to lose because we know we know who uh, who Charlie's friends with here and stuff, but that doesn't even matter. You know, people look at Galore's record. They're like, they see a 3-2 and two record, a 4-2 and two record. They're like, oh, you know, he, he loses a lot. But then you look into it closer. He got DQ'd both of those fights. You know what I'm saying? So he actually, you know, he's 5 or 6-0. and oh, You know what I mean? He knocked those dudes out. It's kind of like when... Uh, Remember when Gilbert, Gilbert Ivel knocked out that ref in uh, you know some other organization and Dana had to be like, look, man, that shit's not going to fly in the UFC. You know what I'm saying? So I think they probably let Galore Bufondo know like, hey, man, you know, keep the shit clean, bro. You know what I'm saying? If you want to stick around here. But look, 
The dude's a fucking specimen, man. The dude's athletic as shit, and he's a serious kickboxer. It's just in the past, you know, in 2012, I saw he couldn't get up off his back. But since then, he looked better in one of his uh, most recent fights. I just think that the speed difference, the athleticism, everything, I just think he can go out there and starch the not very talented Charlie Ward inside one. I agree. Uh, let me just put it this way. Charlie Ward is worse than his uh, old teammate, Cathal Bender. <laughs> I mean, it... I want y'all to go on YouTube and watch his latest fight. It's on YouTube. The camera angle's a little messed up, but I mean, that's some of the worst shit I've ever seen in my life. Talking about Charlie? Yeah, Charlie Ward. I mean, he's a complete jobber. I'm sure he's tough, but I that's mean... That's not the first time that's happened either. He's gotten laid out on the regional he, scene too. He's he's a jobber. And, you know, Bufando's probably not that much ahead, but in this fight, if he stuffs a takedown, and Charlie Ward has a terrible entry on his takedown, Bufando should be able to stuff this rather easily. Like, his takedowns are awful. When he's fighting, you know... A guy brought in to lose in Ireland, which we know is probably really bad. No, all the jobbers out there. No offense to the uh, champion, but you know, I think Bufando's gonna start him inside one. It'll be something like a uh, Razak Al Hassan, but more patient, more flashiness to it. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, obviously Bufando's coming off that layoff. You know, first time in the UFC. There's testing in the UFC. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, we have to see what he looks like at the weigh-ins. But still, Charlie Ward just blows. And you know, I don't like to say that about a pro fighter that steps inside the UFC's octagon. He'd whoop my ass. But on this level, and we're putting our money where our mouth is. Right? I'd whoop his ass right <laughs> now. But <laughs> we're putting, like, money's on the line. Do not bet on Charlie Ward. Even though you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe he goes out there and grinds out Bufando. I just don't see it, bro. No, no, I can never bet on Charlie Ward. I agree. Do you think McGregor has a, a small bet on Ward, or do you think even he's like... No, he's like... He, he, McConnor's not stupid, man. <laughs> Especially when it comes to money, right? Exactly. So we got Alexandre Pantoja. He's minus 360. The comeback on Neil Siri is plus 300. Now, look, this is Neil Siri's last fight. It's too bad he can't go out there and take on McCall, because, honestly, I thought he would have beat McCall. And I know that's a very, you know... People might think that's a bold pick. I don't think it's a bold pick. McCall hasn't fought since uh, you know, since I was born. You know what I'm saying, bro? So <laughs> I don't think it's that bold of a pick. But look, in this spot, Alexandre Pantoja is serious. He was the number one seed on that season of The Ultimate Fighter for a reason. He goes out there. He doesn't just beat Brandon Moreno. He finishes Brandon Moreno. I mean, this is a guy that fought Juicy Formiga on the regional scene. He's been there. He's done that. What I love about him is obviously his well-rounded game. You know, on the feet, you know, he does get hit a lot, but the dude comes to fight. He walks you down. His pressure is insane. But the way he finds a way to take your back, I just love that kind of shit. Especially, you know, if this was a pick and I was loading up on Pantoja, I would just be like, you know, it might be kind of even on the feet when they're standing and brawling, but as soon as we take this dude's back, we grind out the clock. We win the rounds that way. Now, listen, man. I heard, and this might not be true, but I heard a little rumor that Pantoja has been having a, a tough weight cut. He might have, uh, you know, he might have needed some uh, some fluids in his in his body. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not exactly sure if you want to go too big on him here, especially considering the motivation that Neil Siri is going to bring into the, you know, to this fight. Neil Siri is a guy that you know he's kind of like a 500 fighter on the regional scene. He makes it to the UFC. He goes out there against Brad Pitt in his debut. A lot of people thought he might have won that fight. And then also, I mean, he put up some very valiant efforts against Louis Smolka, against Horiguchi. He took his ass whooping like a man. He didn't quit at all. A lot of lesser men would have quit in those spots. He didn't. Maybe if Pantoja is badly diminished from the weight cut, Siri can take over. I just don't see that happening. I think uh, Pantoja wins a decision here. Pantoja is top 15 for a reason, and I agree with it. He is relentless in that Moreno fight. You know, a lot of people would say, like, the tough coaches were saying Brandon Moreno was touching him up, which, you know, Pantoja does get hit. But I want y'all to go back and rewatch that. Pantoja was making Moreno feel everything he threw. 
And for primarily uh, a jiu-jitsu guy, man, that's pretty impressive. So he broke Moreno, and then he goes out there against uh, Kai Kara France, France and just completely outclasses him in every way, beats him on the feet, takes him down, takes his back. And, I mean, his transitions are, you know, sick, man. Uh, what about that, that Ogapu fight? And that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that um, but uh, and, uh, against his fight with uh, Eric Shelton, some of those transitions were, uh, and I, and I had a thirty twenty seven Pantoja by the way. I thought he won every round. Like you said, he does get hit a lot, but in my opinion, you know, I think Siri, you know, even though he will be motivated, I guess once he starts feeling the the heat of some of those punches and just the relentless pressure, I think he'll uh, want to get his uh, find his way out of there and you know be retired. But he's not known for finding his way out though. He fights tough, even his last one. But he, he did mention retirement. Yeah, though. You're, you're retired, so. You know, um, I'm not really looking that big into it, but if Neil can find the knockout punch, that's the only way I see him winning this fight. He's not going to beat Pantoja on this ground, on the ground. And, you know, I think Pantoja will out-volume him on the feet and land the more effective shots. But, hey, his only way to win is by knockout punch. So if he can, props to him. So you think there's no chance if Neil Siri can stop Pantoja from dragging him to the mat, keep it standing all three rounds, you don't think he can win a decision? No. I think Pantoja will out-volume him. Okay, so for the people that want to take Siri at plus 300, you recommend they stay away? Yeah, man. I, Pantoja's the better fighter in every aspect of the game, in my opinion. Besides the fact that he gets clipped too much, but he's tough. He, he likes to wave you in. He, he's like, he wants more, so, you know. It's like a Brazilian Diaz yeah, brother. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he, you know, mine's going to hit. Unless Neil can put the lights out. But Neil, stand-up, he's not known for that. And his stand-up on the feet really is not that good. He's just swinging big, swinging big looping hooks that really don't land, so... I think Pantoja will be safe here. But, you know, since he allegedly got hospitalized, I'm going to stay away and just uh, not fall into that trap of a big favorite here, man. Man, you know what fight is really tough to call, bro? We got Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. He's minus 200. The comeback on Bobby Nash is plus 170. Now, I know coming into the UFC, Danny Hot Chocolate, man, his run in Cage Warriors, I was like, dude, this guy is the guy you need to look out for because he's so well-rounded. He's so athletic. He can finish guys via knockout, via submission. I thought he was the complete package, but it just hasn't materialized inside the UFC's octagon. You think he's going to get back on track here against Nash? Another thing we were talking about earlier was that, you know, possibly Danny had the meat of his career in Cage Warriors, and now we're seeing a diminished version. But, you know, Bobby Nash, he's very green, a D1 wrestler with power in his Is hands. Is he D1? Yeah, he's a D1 wrestler um, with power in his hands. You know, but I still think he's green, man. I think he's as stiff as a board. And, you know, I think Danny will be able to get through this one as long as he can, you know, his chin can hold up. I think he took the right amount of time off following the Mike Perry fight. And I truly believe he's the better fighter here. You know, he's got good takedown defense. You remember that Dom Steele fight? I mean, we saw him stuff some takedowns after being rocked and, you know, holding his own when uh, a lot of people on that team wouldn't have. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Henry Hoop didn't have to tell him not to quit. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Danny isn't isn't a quitter here by any means. The Perry fight, he got tagged several times with some devastating shots. And, you know, Perry had to put him out, so I don't question his heart at all. And, you know, I think Bobby Nash has to have the performance of his life here to win this fight. I don't think his takedown entries are that good to be honest watching him on the uh local scene and whatnot i didn't think they were that serious so i'm gonna go with danny by uh 30 27 on two cards a 29 28 on one man this is a tough one for me to call because like i said going into the ufc i thought danny hot chocolate was the future man because he kind of reminds me of uh, my friend and teammate Chaz walton in the sense that he's naturally athletic he can finish dudes by knockout if you take him down he's going to tap you out off his back he's one of those dudes but 
like you were saying, man, he kind of maybe had his prime of his career in Cage Warriors because he goes in there in the UFC, and I was at his fight with Dom Steele. I thought before that fight, dude, I was telling my friends, like, he's about to smoke Dom Steele. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ten seconds into the fight, and Dom Steele drops him. I was like, oh, my God, what is going on right and now? And he's got the Travis Brown legs, and he's... Oh, my God, bro. He straight up has Travis Brown legs, like those giraffe legs, man. Like, he gets hit once. He's on ice skates. And I was like, this was never the case in Cage Warriors. What happened, man? Was it all those sparring sessions at the Black Zillions? Or was yeah. it uh, that, you know, you are past your prime now? Or is he... Do you think maybe he should move up a weight class? I know he's kind of skinny for 70, but Robert Whitaker looked small for 72 at the time. No, I don't think he needs to move up a weight class. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably get smoked at 185, right? Those dudes at 85 would smoke him. But uh, I still think he's the better fighter here, man. Bobby Nash, he's got potential. When you got a D1 wrestler with power in his hands, there's a lot of potential there. But I think it's just too much too soon. I mean, they're not babying this guy. From Lee Jing Leon to Bobby Nash in your first two, two UFC Hot fights Chocolate. to Danny Hot Chocolate, I mean, man. Yeah, no, it's serious. I mean, Bobby Nash, but look, on the regional scene, he was knocking out UFC vets. You saw his fight with Luis Gonzalez. Now, I understand Luis might not be at that level. <laughs> he might be what we refer to as a jobber. But look, the way he put him out, I mean, one clean left hook in the middle of the combo, and Luis was out cold. Luis is a guy that went three rounds with uh, Leandro, you know what I'm saying, in the UFC's octagon. Not that Leandro's known for finishing anyone. I'm just saying, bro. Like, this isn't a guy who came to the UFC, got knocked out in 10 seconds every fight, and then they cut him. Bobby Nash, like you said, D1 wrestler, but he's so stiff on the feet, but... And the flip got, side of that is he's got serious knockout power. Serious knockout power, but he got really tired in that Jing Leong fight as well. I'm not sure if that was in altitude or if it was his UFC debut, but we can make yeah. either excuse for him. Yeah. I just have to assume that. Actually, what's in altitude is this training camp. I think he did part of it in Denver. So And in Albuquerque. And in Albuquerque with Tim Means, who's a long striker, just yeah. like Danny Hot Chocolate. So maybe he's getting into good work. But look, someone is going to capitalize on the fact that Bobby Nash is so damn stiff on the feet. And Danny Hot Chocolate is that guy that could totally do that. The thing is, if Bobby Nash cracks Hot Chocolate, I'm going to tell you right now, Shaq, Hot Chocolate's going to do a... The chicken dance. He's going to be on ice skates straight <laughs> up, you know what I mean? So that's why I don't I feel comfortable betting Danny Hot Chocolate here. I think it's dog or pass. I, I mean, I understand that Danny's the better fighter. He's more well-rounded. He's better everywhere. More experience. Cleaner. Crisper. But there's something intangible about Bobby Nash, you know what I'm saying? Just he's that got, raw power, yeah, he's man. He's so that, tough. He's that American wrestler with the power, bro. So you know he, and it's like he's not even gonna probably use his wrestling. I don't think his wrestling will be a factor in this fight. I think it's on the feet all day. Yeah, look, you're probably right. Danny's probably gonna go out there and win, but uh, I'm gonna go the opposite way as you, man. I'm gonna take uh, the underdog Bobby Nash here. I, I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay away from a bet. Now, next up, I'm very intrigued by this line, Shaq, and I'll tell you why. We got Khalil Roundtree's minus 210. The comeback on Paul Craig is plus 175. I personally thought this should be a dead pick em because, look, I know for a fact, and watch me be completely wrong, I know for a fact that this fight's ending inside the first round. Either Khalil Roundtree by first-round knockout or Paul Craig by first-round submission. Now, Khalil can't really stuff takedowns. But Paul Craig can't really get takedowns. However, what Paul Craig is known for is pulling guard every single fight. He pulls guard and then he goes for an armbar, a triangle, a sweep, whatever it takes. So is Khalil going to you know, try to show off that he's been working on his ground game when Paul pulls guard? Or is he going like, is, is, is to get right back up and be like, come on, man, let, let's fucking stand and bang. You know what I'm saying? It really comes down to that, bro. It, it's as simple as that, Shaq, in my mind. Yeah, like you said, can Khalil knock him out before Craig strangles him to the... Uh to the ground and you know like you said it's Craig or pass but I don't 
I don't uh, disagree with the Paul Craig bet by any means because you know if you can get Khalil in a specific situation, he will tap. He will tap that mat. He's uh, he's in that Watterson tapping group, bro. So, <laughs> you know, he will he will find his way out of there. She you know, and, good, the, and we can't and we can't forget uh we can't forget about that Andrew Sanchez fight on Tough. You know where he where he's smiling, laying on his back like if if Craig can make this, you know, in his world. Khalil's going to be in trouble here, so I wouldn't even parlay Khalil. I wouldn't parlay Craig just because he's coming off a devastating uh, KO loss, but a devastating KO loss, so I'm going to just pass on this and enjoy it, man. Another thing I want to say about this matchup is I think Paul Craig should drop a weight class. I think he's too small for 205, man. He should be a 185-er. And I don't understand why everyone's writing him off after, you know, one fight. You know, Frankenstein, De so he, he went out there and beat Frankenstein to Silva when... Well, I think it's because he looked so bad his last fight. That's why yeah, everyone's kind of like, that's man. His that's his style. Yeah. A lot of people have ugly styles, but we know if he can get this in his area, he'll cruise to a win here. The thing is, Tyson Pedro, when, when they fought... Tyson Pedro beat both of them in the first round, but when he fought... The bear Jew, Paul Craig, you could see the size difference. You were like, oh my god, this dude needs to drop. And the fact that he didn't drop makes me be like, you know, what the fuck, man? But it's one of those things that when it was a dead pick em, I was like, man, Khalil's probably going to knock him out. But it's not a dead pick em anymore. It's a minus 210, which I think is bullshit. So it's either a dog or pass from a betting perspective, man. Yeah, of course. And so, I mean, let's get a pick, man. Is it going to be a Khalil first round KO or the sub, man, for, uh, for uh, Craig? You know, I'm gonna go with I'll go with Khalil just because you know I think Craig's gonna come in recklessly and he's gonna get clipped with a punch. But uh, I would not be shocked in the slightest if Craig subbed him in the first round as well. Look, I mean that's not gonna surprise me, man. The thing is, I think if the fight hits the mat one time and 90% of fights do hit the mat one time, I think that's gonna be all she wrote. I don't think he can survive on the mat. Whereas I do think Paul Craig, even though it's gonna be dicey. I think he can survive on the feet. The thing with Roundtree is he's actually a serious striker. And this ain't serious. <laughs> this ain't glory or K1, though. You gotta be able to stuff takedowns serious, too. You know what I'm saying, man? You gotta respect the ground game. But striking's serious, man. I mean, he trains with Anderson Silva. He knows how to look, he knows how to strike like a real striker. It's not some bullshit MMA guy that doesn't faint, that just runs oh, in there. He knows, what he, he, knows he knows how to strike, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he does a lot of the playful, cocky shit that we love from Anderson Silva. It's just Sometimes he doesn't get a chance because as soon as you shoot on this guy, he's getting taken out. I know his last fight he addressed it, and he had a very beautiful grip on, you know, Daniel the Jabba Jolly <laughs> when he uh, knocked him out. You know, very nice underhook, and then the left hand was on the neck of Jolly, and, you know, he need him, knocked him out. But, you know, this ain't no Daniel Jolly anymore. And I'm not saying Paul Craig's a rated guy. I'm not saying that at all, but this is a step up from uh, the werewolf of Texas. You know <laughs> what I'm saying, man? So Seriously. it's going to be interesting. And this one... Should be really good as well because we got Jack Marshman. He's minus 485. Wow, 485. Jeez, huh? He's taking on Ryan James, who's plus 385. Now, uh, I would assume you're taking the favorite here. He's a favorite for a reason. What do you think about the line? What do you think about the matchup? I agree with the line just because I think James isn't going to hold his spot in the company for too much longer, man. I think he's going to run into an overhand right, right off the bat. The only way I see him winning is... Maybe dragging this out and, you know, Marshman's diminished. But let's just talk about Marshman for a second. You know, he goes in there in his, his debut against Magnus Sedenblad, who was on a four or five win streak right outside the top 15 and put him out. Yeah, I know he I know, <laughs> I know he didn't uh, stuff the takedowns. He got taken down easily both times. But Jane's entries on his takedowns aren't that good. That takedown he got against GM3 was just a weak takedown. And we all know GM3's MO. So I, I, don't, I don't think he's – I think he's a jobber. I think Jack's going to put him out. Jack did his uh, most of his camp in Albuquerque with John Jones. He's got new coaches. And, you know, I think he's going to uh, put on a, 
uh, first-round finisher. So Ryan James is a very tall guy with tall man defense. Now, you know who's a very tall guy that doesn't have tall man defense? Johnny Bones. So, I mean, Marshman's training with literally the best possible version of what he's facing, and now he's actually going to go face the shittiest version <laughs> of what he's been training with. So it's like, you get, I mean, he has to really fuck up to lose this fight, man. He, straight up, but fucked up last time maybe the ref fucked up last time i mean i had a dog play on marshman let's against tiago let's not forget he put tiago on his ass a couple times man and you know i'll never complain about that but you think the ref could have let it go yes, on so it, was, it was a bad stoppage marshman was fully there he got dropped with a spinning head kick of course it's gonna happen but at least land a couple follow-up shots first yeah now so in this fight like we were saying james has that tall man defense to a yeah, point of no return and i mean when you're fighting guys like keith barish they can't really capitalize but when you're fighting a power puncher and you know a military boxer a guy who's <laughs> known for his hands such as jack marshman he will capitalize he's gonna go out there close the distance mix it up to the body and then go up top with either a big left hook a big right hand i think he's gonna put down james now james path to victory there's two of them if if he is to win this fight the first one is he would have to not get knocked out and out volume uh jack on the feet which i do not see happening at all the second one would be he'd have to find a way to drag it to the mat use his black belt which I mean, he just got tapped out his last fight but use his black belt to somehow find a submission against jack now look the thing with jack is not too long ago this dude was fucking losing to scott Askham and tom watson so you can't rate him too highly but he you know he's he's on a streak since then man i mean you know i know he lost his last one but i'm saying Overall, he's on the street. You know, he's won like eight of ten or so, something like that. I know someone can correct me on the exact number. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's it's among those lines. Bottom line, I got the minus four eighty five favorite. I think he goes out there and stops James. You know, the under could be good here, but it could get could get sweaty if he doesn't put him away early. But yeah, I do think he closes the distance and puts away the very tall and uh, bad defense heavy Ryan James. Yeah, you know, if you could have got the line in five dimes at less than minus three hundred, then it was a very good bet, but. At minus 485 now, it's a pass just because it's too risky, man. Hey, we can't be mentioning no books. They, they, don't, they don't sponsor us. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> but uh, this is a really good fight, man. Stevie Ray, he's minus 130. The comeback on Paul Felder is plus 110. Now, I expected, again, a dead pick him. And honestly, man, I, I got a little greedy here, Shaq. I'll be honest, bro. I thought that Ray was going to be the dog. I was planning, man, I'm about to get some dog money against Paul Felder and bet against this guy who... Not only has let me down like a million times, you know, against and, and not against good competition either, man. I'm not talking about, you know, okay, so I lost when he fought Edson Barbosa, you know, that's not a big deal, man. I also lost when Benny fought Barbosa, you know? Okay. You lost to Barbosa. That ain't a big deal, bro. But you fucking lost to Ross Pearson by split? Like, dude, I, I don't care if you were icing your shins two weeks before that fight, man. Like you should don't even train for a year before that fight, you'll beat fucking Ross Pearson, I thought. <laughs> Apparently not, bro. You know what I'm saying? That was bad. And then you know, so I was like, you know, okay, he's early in his UFC career. I make all these excuses for him. I, I neglect the fact that he's a 34-year-old actor. And I, I'm like, you know what? He'll go out there and finish Josh Berkman. I mean, Josh Ber it's Josh Berkman, right? Come on, man. And obviously, I wasn't going to bet the minus 350. So I took the inside of the distance. <laughs> Bro, he almost lost that fight to Berkman. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like He almost lost to Crickshank. <laughs> he lost the first two rounds against Crickshank. So I bet him... Uh, Against Trinaldo, which in hindsight was a really bad idea, right? And let, let's pretend I didn't bet Felder there. Let's pretend I bet Trinaldo by decision, okay? Felder gets cut and loses the fight via cut stoppage. So, I mean, you just can't win with this guy, man. And, you know, I know people are saying that, oh, now he's at Rufus Bore. Now he's a new man. 
oh, because he fucking beat the worst guy on the roster and Alessandro Ricci, he's, he's a new guy now because he hit him with an upward elbow. He would have beat Alessandro Ricci in the first round one year ago, two years ago, three years ago. It doesn't, five years ago, it doesn't matter. He beats Alessandro Ricci a hundred times out of a hundred. So, you know, I don't get this new Rufus Sport thing. And look, I got a lot of respect for Rufus, Rufus Sport. You know, all those dudes are my boys. Love them all. Mike Biggie, Bilal, all those dudes, Sergio. But that's got nothing to do with this, man. I mean, Paul Felder was training with Mark Henry, with Frankie Edgar, with Edson Barboza. And then before that, he was training with Cowboy, Greg Jackson, all these people. And then before that, he's training in Philly with Jonathan Webb and all and, you know all those guys there. So it's like, this guy's a habitual gym hopper. You know, if, if, if he takes one L, all of a sudden he has to change everything in his life. And the most important thing here is that, because we got to break down the matchup. I'm just talking a little bit of shit right now. Is that the dude is so inactive. It's unbelievable. You know, you hit him one time, then he starts, you know, getting off his game plan. He starts, you know, being like, what the fuck, man? He starts getting mad. I'm not talking about like a Diaz taunt where he gets in someone's head. I'm talking about this dude literally gets mad. You hit Paul Felder and he'll, <laughs> his face turns red and shit. It's like smoke starts coming out his ears and stuff, man. You know what I love about Stevie Ray? He's, he doesn't need to go out there and brawl with Paul Felder to get this win. He doesn't, you know, and he's not going to do something for his ego, like, in terms of being like, you know, if Paul Felder starts signaling him on, like, come on, man, let's stand and bang in the center of the octagon, Stevie Ray's not going to be like, all right, man, let's do that. He, Stevie Ray's going to stay on the outside, use that footwork, jab, jab, mix up the rear uppercut, which he knows how to set up. And you know I love guys that set up that rear uppercut properly. And Stevie Ray is well-rounded, man. I mean, he can mix up his takedowns as well. You saw the fight with Ross Pearson. Now someone's going to be like, oh, that's Ross Pearson. Yeah, Ross Pearson beat Paul Felder. But anyways, I mean, he mixes up his takedowns. He can fight everywhere. I know Joe Lozon won the first round. Joe Lozon wins the first round against everyone. So that, I don't really take much from that. But, man, once again, it's going to come down to that volume style. I think he's going to find a way to win on the judges' scorecards. Now, not only that, I would have I picked Stevie by decision in Vegas. But now we got it. In Scotland, and you're telling me Stevie Ray's from Scotland, bro. I mean, this is a good spot to get a nice hometown decision. Even if they, even if the fans think that Felder won the fight, which I highly doubt, because you know he's so inactive, and that's you know he loses fights by not throwing enough. So I think Stevie's gonna win no matter what. But even if the fans somehow think that you know he landed the hardest shots, he walked him down, which you know I don't see happening at all. We can still get a bullshit split decision, man. It's in Scotland, so I gotta go with Stevie Braveheart Ray here to win a. Uh, unanimous decision but i hope it's a controversial split just because i love those <laughs> you know this is a 50 50 fight in my opinion you know i think paul could take this by landing the more powerful shots you know making the crowd ooh and ah a little bit more as where stevie's gonna stay on the outside and try to box him up from range and you know i'll volume him but as far as a betting perspective i'm staying away from this fight because i think it could go either way man felder's no slouch even though he like you said doesn't throw volume I don't know, I still respect his skills a lot, man. You know, just because what he could have been, you know. So, you know, that could, you know, come into play here. He might have a quick little flash of it. So that's why I'm staying away. But I could see Stevie taking this 29-28, but I do think it's going to be a close fight. I think either guy will run around, and it'll be a 29-28 split decision type of fight. I mean, I think I just ate the Paul Felder hype straight up, and I got no problems admitting that whatsoever. You know, I lost on that Berkman inside the distance. It was plus 290. I was thinking it was easy money. We know Berkman doesn't win fights in the UFC, and Paul goes out there, and he's getting taken down by him, and he's, you know, feeling the shots a little bit, and you're just standing there like, is this guy fucking kidding me? So, uh, I can't trust him, but, you know, I, I could see him taking this one. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I think that Danny Castillo performance was so damn good that it just... 
everyone's minds, at least mine. I know, I know where I'm I coming almost. from. I bet I'm on against Edson right after. Bro, I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought this dude was a future world champion after that Danny Castillo fight. I was like, Jesus. I mean, what did Danny do in that fight? That he was gave a perfect him a performance. Lesson. He gave him a lesson. He didn't even eat one punch the whole fight, and. Man, it sucks how uh, things turn out sometimes. That's the fight game. You know, one day you look like a world champion, like Dana said. The next day you can't even beat anyone in the UFC. Not that that's Paul Felder's case, because it's not at all. I'm just saying that the only time he recreated any kind of, you know, similar success was against fucking Alessandro Ricci, who, you know. This guy, Felder, will make you sweat in all of his fights. The Edson fight. Bet on him or bet against yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> Ross Pearson, we're, we got, uh, you know, our DJ and Felder parlays that night, and we're all thinking it's going to cash. And Felder goes out there, and he's feeling the shots from Ross getting taken down. Then after that, he goes in there against Crookshank, loses the first two rounds. I know the guys that bet Felder in there were sweating. Oh, yeah. And, we were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know. He almost loses, but, you know, he pulled it off. And then the Trinaldo fight, and, you know, this guy, he feels punches. He can dish him out, but he also feels it. He is aging, man. You know, we got to mention that. But he's tough. Look, he's got great technique. I'm, I'm not going to talk oh, any shit about that. Some of his shit's pretty His technique's fuck, but, amazing. But it's just, <laughs> man, one of these, maybe this is the time where he figures shit out. But uh, I, I don't doubt it at this stage in his career. I mean, I know people are talking about how, you know, Duke is going to bring out the fundamentals and, you know, less of the flash and this and that. And it's like, we need to see it before we talk like that. Because... I mean, he's still spun against Alessandro, but, I mean, that's Alessandro. We need to see what's up against a real fighter. And that's what Stevie Ray is, man. And, you know, Stevie Ray, obviously, like we mentioned, the volume on the feet. He can mix in takedowns. He, I mean, he can just make this look pretty, avoid the brawl, and win the decision. But, uh, look, if Felder goes out there and lands the hardest shots and he wins, hey, much respect. You know what I'm saying? Felder's fun to watch, but... Uh, I'm not afraid to learn from my mistakes in a betting perspective, and yeah, just pass. I'm not going to bet yeah. on Paul Felder. But I wanted dog money on Ray. Now it's you know minus 130 in one book, minus 146 in another. I don't want to play those prices, man. I want a nice plus 100, a plus 105, and take it from there. But here, you know, I, I got to give a credit to the public, man. Shout out to the public, y'all. Y'all were sharp on this one, man. You know, we'll see how it plays out, obviously, but. You know, pre-fight talk, y'all were sharp on this one. So much respect, because I usually like to go against the public, but I think they knew what was up in this one. Well, we'll see what's up afterwards, you know. I always like to talk shit before, but after the fact, I'm always humble, win or lose. Now, this one, we got another bet, man. I do, at least. We got Cynthia Calvillo. She's minus 210. The comeback on Joanne Calderwood is plus 175. Now, real quick, man. Do you think Joanne Calderwood should be plus 175 against someone that made their uh, pro debut uh, last year? No, I disagree, man. I feel like it should be a pick em at the least and you know Calvillo I think she's good I think she's got some amazing jiu-jitsu but her overall game like her striking and her wrestling I don't see it being up to par with the hype that she has man um you know her hands are good she out volume Pearl Gonzalez who let's be honest here is a jobber and coming her, off a year later and, and was just shelling up the whole time so it was pretty good to look decent against that but against Joanne, I think she's open to some leg kicks, and I think Joanne's, uh, Joanne's going to take a, you know, advantage of that, man. And I think if she can stuff the takedown and stay away from all jiu-jitsu exchanges, I think she can win this fight by decision in her hometown. Man, this is really interesting because I know that the one area Joanne struggles with is when people tap her up. I mean, all her losses are via submission. And you look at Cynthia Calvillo, you think she's this great submission artist because she did win her last two fights by submission. Let me just remind the whole crowd those were her only two wins by submission. But at least she did it on the biggest stage possible. But she did it against the worst competition possible at that biggest stage. I mean, we're talking about, and no disrespect to these chicks. I mean, Amanda Bobby Cooper, um, 
Pearl Gonzalez, you know, we can get a drink sometime. But look, I mean, they're, you know, two and three and whatever their records are, man. Bottom line is they're not top 15 fighters. Now we're dealing with a top 10 fighter. Not that the number means anything, but the way the style matches up, I do think the long style of JoJo Calderwood can give Cynthia Calvillo problems, man. And I think that if you go back and you watch JoJo's last fight against Andrade, that was just simply a case where, you know, I said this when we were breaking down uh, Andrade versus uh, Joanna, and I said that that was basically a dude versus a chick. And that's not disrespect to Andrade. What I meant by that was the strength difference. I mean, the way she would pick up JoJo and just oh, slam her. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, damn, bro. Like, you don't see the chicks, like, with that kind of strength. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you right now, Shaq, Cynthia Calvillo does not have takedowns anywhere near the level of Jessica Andrade. Not only that, she doesn't have the strength or the power of Jessica Andrade. I mean, Jessica Andrade is like a little dude out there, straight up. She's like John Lineker, you know what I mean? And once again, calling her a little dude isn't disrespect. It's just, it's a compliment, actually, because, you know, like Amanda Nunes, she hits like a dude. You know, that's what people say. That's the word on the street. So, Andrade has that kind of power. Now, Cynthia doesn't. What Cynthia's great at is her jiu-jitsu. You take this chick down, you better fucking watch out. I mean, she's going to be attacking off her back with triangles. She'll be going for an Uma Plata. Then all of a sudden, she takes your back. You know what I'm saying? Like She's, she's, sl she's slick like, like that. that yeah. So if Joanne does some stupid shit, tries to take her down, like, you know, because I think she took down Courtney Casey three times or Valerie Letourneau one of them three times. You know, she tries to do shit like that. Yeah. we got to be super careful. But even then, man, our experience is on a different level than Cynthia Calvillo. Like I said, Cynthia made her pro debut last year, okay? JoJo's been in the game a long time. Now... Jojo is a lot taller, a lot longer, but more importantly than that, she uses her length in the fight. So she can use that teep kick, keep her on the outside. She's got to watch out for the takedown. Not that the takedown is that strong. It isn't. But you still got to look out for it because we know Cynthia wants to take the fight to the ground. Cynthia's stand-up is still developing. It's not it's not very good at all. You know, I mean, she's a gamer, though. She's very she's tough. tough. I got to yeah. give her that. But listen, when I got that plus 205 on Jojo, just the experience, everyone has to take that first UFC L. And I do think, you know, in her home country... I think she's going to have the motivation needed to get the job done here, man. Obviously, I wish it was at 125 pounds because, you know, that weight cut's <laughs> serious for JoJo. But at plus 205, I, I can put the weight class aside and just take a shot at two units because I, I, I think it should be a pick em, like you said. Or even JoJo a slight favorite. But when it's plus 205 or even plus 175, I put two units on it. Let's see what happens. You played the experience factor. You know, this also kind of reminds me of Paige Van Zandt versus Rose Namajunas back in the day. When everyone's on Paige, she's the superstar. She's going to find a way. And, you know, she gets beat by, at a time, who everyone was saying was a quitter. And, you know, but Rose is clearly the better fighter. And that might be the case here. This might be too much too soon. And at plus 200, which you got it at, man, um, I mean, I definitely understand that. I'm not going to play it at plus 175 just because... You know, we know if JoJo gets in any type of adversity, her history isn't good, but you got it at a good line to, you know, find out. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I'm going to find out. And even though I am predicting uh, Calvillo to lose this fight, I think she'll bounce back better, man. Yeah. I think she's serious. I think she's really yeah, a good prospect. Good, yeah. But, you know, someone, I forget who it was. She's but game. Someone I really respect, and I think it might be my boy Dan Tom, uh, the mixed martial arts analyst. I think he said that, and if it's someone else, correct me. But I think he said that, you know, every fighter's got to pay their taxes. Everyone has to take that ass whooping, bro. There's no way There's no way around it. Everyone, name one fighter that has went in there and not taken his ass beating. And if he hasn't, it will be coming soon. Yeah, straight up. Everyone. No one is exempt from that first L. It does not matter who the fuck you are. I know someone's going to be like, well, Khabib's 
A million and oh. His L is coming too. I mean, he, he avoided it last time. You know, yeah. I, I know Taramisu might have got that first win over him anyways. But look, that, that, that's coming too, man. It does not matter who it's you coming. are. And uh, Gaethje's undefeated now. His L is coming. <laughs> I don't even need to make a call about that. About <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. just look at it. Kevin Lee had to take his first L. I mean, first I know. Else. Yeah. Okay, let's excuse the Al Atkins. Yeah. He was like 21 fighting out, who's top 15 in the world. But... You know, the Leo Santos fight when he's minus 600 and he's supposed to steamroll him. Let's just be real for everyone listening. Matt Serra knocked out GSP. Frankie Edgar dethroned BJ Penn. Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva. Fucking. And then we can go to, you know, guys that aren't considered the greatest of all time. Kevin Lee lost to Leo Santos. Vic lost to Benny. Benny lost to Barboza. Everyone. No, Benny lost to Ramsey. Everyone has to take an L. Does not matter who you are. So. You know, at plus 205, I do want to find out if this is the first time that Cynthia I mean, will take her out. Dustin Poirier once lost to Danny Castillo. Like, <laughs> like, that would so, never happen again. Exactly. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Everyone has to lose, man. Yeah, I mean, Overeem lost to Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> so the main event of the evening, Gunny Nelson lost to Rick Story. <laughs> Anyways, we got Gunner Nelson. He's minus 160. The comeback on Santiago, Genchi Boa, Ponzanibio is plus 140. It's a very intriguing matchup, man. You know, Going into it, I was like, man, Santiago is the bigger guy here. Then I saw them face off today. Gunny was the bigger guy. Holy shit. Yeah, man. As far as the fight goes, you know, I feel like Gunny has to finish his fight within the first two rounds. Even if you go back and you watch that Tumenov fight, which the first round he looked completely amazing, in and out like, you know, uh, something like Lyoto Machida just in and out like a dart. And, you know, he's touching him up and he's landing everything he throws just about. But in that second round, he was not moving at that same speed. Even though he was still in control of the fight, he was not moving at that same speed. But against a more seasoned, a more well-trained fighter in Santiago, no offense to Tamenov. Tamenov's great. But, man, uh, Santiago's got some good timing, man. And he knows how to stuff. And when he stuffs, he's finding a huge right hand afterwards. And I feel like if he can land that somewhere in that second round, late second round, this fight can completely change. I fully expect Gunny to win the first round. He's a motherfucker in that first round. But I feel like if Santiago, who in my opinion has the better cardio in this fight, I mean, Santiago went three hard rounds with Cummins at the same speed, you know, and he touched up Cummins' bid. And, and Cummins is no slouch. So, uh, Fuck Cummins and, up. And, he, and, he, and I mean, he put it on him. And Cummins, Cummins took it like a man and kept coming at him the whole entire time. So, you know, Santiago's no slouch. That's a very underrated win for him. And, um, I just think if he can make this into a longer fight, he can take this. And, you know, he's going to be my pick in this fight. I think he's going to do it, man. I think Santiago's very underrated at 170. And uh, if Gunny finishes him in those first two rounds, I'm not shocked. But at the line that it was earlier, I think it was like plus 180 at one point. But, you know, that sharp money came in on Pons, and it's plus 140 now. So I definitely understand why. And uh, But I'm just going to enjoy it as a fan. And uh, But my pick is Santiago to win this fight. No, I understand why as well, because when it was like minus 225 Gunny, I thought that was getting a little yeah. out of hand. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more to where I thought it should be, and I think there's a tough fight to call, man. And I've seen you know, a lot of confidence on both sides. I've seen beyond max bets on Gunny. I've seen max bets on Pons. So you know, it's very interesting when you see people so confident on either side. And for me, it's a super tough one to call. I'll tell you why. Because look, when Gunny takes dudes down to the ground, the way he passes to full mount the way he makes you you know give up your back and he chokes you out it's unlike anything i've ever seen before i mean besides the guy he lost to damian maya and that was more so of an ego thing he wanted to be like i can go out there and out grapple damian maya you know what i'm saying it's kind of like back in the day when dudes used to be like i can stand and bang with paul daly so that's what he tried to do there 
which was a really fucking dumbass move, but I assume you learn from it. And also, this ain't Damian Maya no more. But if he tries to go out there and box with Ponzinibbio, you know, because he had that ego thing going on in, in the Maya fight where, oh, I'm going to beat this guy at what he's best at. Look, there's only certain guys that can beat you at your own game. John Jones, Max Holloway, you know, guys like that. Okay. Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera, you know, guys like that. They go out there and beat you at your own game. Okay. But Gunny, you got to stick to what you're good at, bro. You know what I mean? What you're good at is those inside trips yeah. to passing to the full mount to choking dudes out is beautiful. And also, I love his karate style because he doesn't force things. He'll faint and faint and faint. Nothing will happen. Then you start getting a little frustrated. Then he blitzes you out of nowhere. I love that shit that he does, man. The thing with this fight is Ponzinibbio's straight laser beams that he brings to the table are serious, serious man. Serious, They're serious, absolutely bro. serious. And the dudes he's been fighting are very high level. I mean, Nordin Taleb, Zach Cummings, there's one other in there. Oh, of course not. Like, Corby well, Whitaker. If he Whitaker. Put, he put it on him, though. He <laughs> fucking got him out of there. The thing with Pons is he takes a lot of punches early, but once he finds your rhythm and then he starts landing the, the straight punches, you got to watch out, man. Those straight punches are serious. Out, and he can stuff, too. I mean, I know he, can stuff. he hasn't been seriously taken down since the Ryan LaFleur fight, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, actually it was, was his, his sec the second fight. Was Wendell Oliveira's first or his debut? Because I know he fought Wendell and Ryan LaFleur. But bottom line, it was either his first or his yeah. second fight in the UFC. It was a long time ago, man. And since that point, I don't believe anyone's taken him down no cleanly since then. Down. No one's taken him the down. The work he's been putting in at yeah. ATT is paying dividends. You know, because you got guys like Antonio Carlos Jr. to train with. Yeah. You got all these studs at ATT who are getting him ready for this fight. So I won't be surprised if he goes out there. But what he has to do, man, is he, he has to get past the so first I round and a half. Because the first round and a half... Gunny's going to win that first round and a half. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, you look at these strikers that he's been fighting. Alan Juban, Tumanov. Even, you know, I know this guy sucks, but even Brandon Thatch. He's a good striker, too. <laughs> Brandon is uh, what we refer to as a jobber. <laughs> look, we'll talk about Tumanov and Juban. Those are really good strikers, even though they bring something completely different than what Pons brings. Because Pons, even though I love uh, Juban, he's fucking awesome, I'd say Pons has a better chin than Juban. 100%. And another thing I want to say about the difference between that matchup is that Pons is more oriented with the straight punches, whereas Juban is more oriented with the kicks. And you don't want to be a kicker against a guy like Gunny. He catches those kicks, puts you on your back. You want to be a puncher, which is what Ponzi is. So it's actually really interesting, man. And then with Tumenov, look, I love Tumenov. I'm a huge fan. I love all the Russians. I do think that uh, so certain things changed when they started wearing the Reebok shorts. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just think certain things changed. This fight, I don't think anything has changed. I think Pons is who who we think he is, and he's that badass. So it all comes down to what happens in the first seven minutes. So Gunny could take him down, inside trip, pass the full mount, pound him out, or take his back and choke him out. 100% could see that happening. If that does not happen, however, Pons is going to put it on him. Because you look at all of Gunny Nelson's wins, they all happen within the first two rounds usually. And his losses... And all his losses go past the first two rounds. So exactly. Pons has to really survive. Now it comes down to am I predicting that he will or won't. Fuck, I hate this part, the bro. Two, <laughs> the two dudes that beat Nelson took it in the deep waters and they completely broke him and beat his ass. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And Nelson had early success against both of them. Not yeah, just exactly. against Rick. He won he had, the first round. He had, he had early success against, against Maya, yeah. too. Yeah. He took down Maya. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we know what he, he's going to win the first round, but if Pons can survive, it's his fight, in my opinion. All comes down to if he can survive. I really don't know if he can or can't. I, I, that's why we're watching. That's why I'm not betting this fight. Um, 
Now, I understand taking the shot on pawns here because if you're taking the shot, you're thinking, hey, we're going to get a very gassed out Gunny Nelson and then we're going to start unloading <laughs> with those straight punches. We're going to put this dude away. Yeah. But I also understand the Gunny line of thinking, which is we take him down early. Yeah, yeah. We, we tap him out early. Fuck, man. I don't know which one's going to happen. Honestly, I lean a little bit more towards pawns, but I could be wrong because Gunny takes you down one time. He could finish the fight straight up. So, listen, man, I ain't betting on this one. I wish everyone luck. I know nicer people are on Gunny, so I wish you all the best of luck, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, man, this is all business, and the better man's going to win that night. So whoever the better man is, I hope you go out there and make a statement because you're jumping to the top ten of the welterweight division. I'll tell you that right now, Shaq. Uh, yeah, this is serious business now. So uh, if Pons can win this, he elevates himself into the top ten of that division, and we could see him fight, you know, someone like Kamaru or someone else even higher. So Gunny I mean, wins, exactly. I mean. Exactly. If geez. Gunny wins, he's right there, so. I mean, Tumenov, Juban, and Pons, three in a row, that's impressive, so. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is, man. So whoever wins this fight, big things ahead. And, and even for the loser, man, I think they still got yeah, a bright this, future. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, we need some DraftKings advice. And, man, it's funny because uh, last week, Kyle didn't tell us about that Gray Maynard play he had. You know, we were big on Teru. This dude had a fucking Gray Maynard play. He cleaned up on all his DraftKings lineups. Now he's coming off a... Uh, Chilling at the executive suite at the Copacabana Peach. No, I'm just kidding. He was in Vegas, you know, in the executive suite for the DraftKings, uh, you know, for the International Fight Week. He was in their suite doing his thing. And now uh, we got him right here on the Big Marley Minute on Half the Battle. And joining me now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, how's it going, man? Great, man. Ready for another week of fights. Let's get some more money. I mean, dude, you're coming off uh, chilling in the executive suite, the DraftKings suite at the UFC fights over the weekend, International Fight Week. How was it, man? Uh, man, it was a good time. I always love going to Vegas. Uh, I got to meet up with some DraftKings guys down there. Uh, even though it's not legal in DraftKings, we got to set our lineups before we leave and uh, hang out together while we sweat the fight, so it was still fun. Man, it's so interesting. How is, uh, you know, you can go gamble at any hotel you're staying at. But you can't play it. You can't make a DraftKings lineup, though, Kyle. <laughs> I know. I don't get it, man. I mean, the casinos want that money. So that's why. They don't want you spending money on DraftKings when you should be spending it on the table. So I guess if there's one place it makes sense not to be legal, it's Vegas. Now, Kyle, I heard a rumor that you've been keeping secrets from us on half the battle, man. <laughs> Actually, dude, I was... I was thinking that, too, uh, with the whole Gray Maynard win because um, I was 100% on Gray Maynard. But then I realized we didn't even do a show for Tough 25, so that's why I didn't uh, bring okay. it up. All right, you get a pass then, fine. <laughs> but, man, <laughs> but if we did, dude, I, mean, I would have told the world about it. Listen, dude, I mean, it's one thing to be wrong on a fight. It's another thing when the guy you pick is fighting Gray Maynard in 2017 and he doesn't even land a single punch. Yeah, man, Ishii, man, he's he's a little overrated, and you know Greg has got that wrestling game. So, I, I mean, I had a bet on him when I was in Vegas as well, but I really loved him from the DraftKings angle because if he was going to win, you knew it was going to be by takedowns, and that's what scores points in DraftKings. So that's why I was 100% on Maynard. Um, and, yeah, I was, I was wondering myself, like, why didn't I tell them about that? And uh, they dang on me. I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't even do a show on Top 25 because the salaries weren't out yet. <laughs> So real quick, before we talk about anything else, is there a dog on this uh, UFC Glasgow card that, that we're not looking at? Uh, man, I don't have me a, a Maynard on this card. Um, but 
I don't. I mean, I don't hate any of those lowest dogs. So I think you could you couldn't go wrong with any of the lower guys if you're uh, making a punt on a GPP. So I, I don't have a preference on those lower guys. Um, any of them can really do this week. Well, let me ask you about this because you know this kid Albert Morales. He's a plus three twenty five dog, and I gotta assume that he's priced pretty low on DraftKings. He's taking on a guy in Brett Johns who. You know, he's a very good wrestler, man. And if he wins this fight, he's going to get a lot of takedowns. We know that scores a lot of points, but the guy's probably going to be super expensive. Albert Morales has over 37 minutes of UFC experience, and the kid's getting better every single fight. He's one of those guys that's super dangerous and can finish a fight at any point. Also very athletic. I think he's a live underdog here. You think that maybe we can take him so that we can afford some of the bigger favorites here? Uh, man, last week... I thought Blades was by far the best play, and I knew he was going to be the most owned, uh, and that burned me in the ass. So I'm thinking Johns is the best play this week, right? And he's going to be the most owned. But I learned my lesson last week with the Blades. I'd rather go on the underdog and try and get as many points as he can get than go all in with the heaviest price guy on DraftKings. Um, so I don't mind that play at all. I, I do think Johns wins this fight, but – I don't like the matchup at all because I think these guys are two good prospects. I think they should both be getting wins and moving them, getting some uh, good fans, but they're facing each other, and I just think Johns is probably going to win this one. However, man, I learned my lesson last week with Blades. You cannot go all in on the heaviest-priced guy when anything can happen in a fight. So I think Morales is a good cash game guy because you can afford a loss in cash games, and then that'll afford some heavier favorites in there. Um but in GPPs, I think if you're going to make 10 lineups, you want a little bit of both of those guys. Stevie Ray and Paul Felder, I mean, you know for a fact that these two are going to stand and bang for three straight rounds. And it's a pick for a reason. Now, I have to favor Stevie Ray, you know, in a fight like this that I think is going to be a split decision. Why wouldn't I take the Scott in Scotland? You know what I'm saying? So I'm going Stevie Ray here, but you think this is one I stay away from uh, in DraftKings? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going with Stevie Ray myself um, from a betting angle. I got a bet on Ray. However, I do think this is a fight to fade in DraftKings. Um, it's one to watch and one to bet on, but I just don't see it scoring very highly in DraftKings because they're going to stand the whole 15 minutes. And that doesn't score too much points unless it's, it's a wild brawl. Um, I also think if someone's going to get takedowns in this fight, it is Ray. However, I think he's only going to go for takedowns if – he feels he's losing the fight. And like I said, I don't think he's going to be losing the fight. So I don't see any takedowns happening in this fight. And I can see Ray getting a, a decision win and maybe only 60, 65 DraftKings points. And that's not going to win you in a tournament. So I myself will be fading this fight in DraftKings. I got a bet on Ray. I'm really looking forward to watching the fight. But I think you should fade it on DraftKings. Now, a lot of people that have been listening to Half the Battle for a while know that you expertly picked ross pearson to beat paul felder now you're picking stevie ray to beat him as well tell us your reasoning man uh, i've always thought felder was a little overhyped um but i also like ray quite a bit and he's fighting at home so pick him line uh even line on DraftKings, but you actually get a little 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 bit of uh, value on the betting line with ray at minus 120 um i don't know i just think he's going to be the more well-rounded fighter in his hometown and that's going to get get the decision for him you love your home guys at home don't you i do man I, I just i do any sport really any sport so i mean two favorites that i'm looking to you know beef up my card with my my DraftKings lineup jack marshman 
and Alexandre Pantoja. You know, I don't necessarily want to say that they have easy fights. I wouldn't disrespect their opponents like that. And especially, you know, Jack Marshman's a guy that, you know, not too long ago he was losing to Scott Askham and um, Tom Watson, you know, guys like that. You know what I'm saying, Kyle? And he's a, he's a minus 420 favorite here, but I think he's a minus 420 favorite for a reason. I mean, Ryan James has proven to have that tall man defense. He takes a lot of shots, and you don't want to take a lot of shots against a heavy hitter like Jack Marshman. And then in the Alex Alexandre Pantoja versus Neil Siri case, you know, I, I see it being more of a brawl, but Alexandre can be, you know, can take the back when necessary and win uh, the rounds that way. So I was thinking, man, I mean, are these two good favorites that I should put in there and then uh, do the rest dogs or what? Uh, I, I like both of you guys to win the fight. Yeah, Marshman. Uh, he's going to need the knockout, though. Um, I, I do think he can get, get it. So he'll be in some of my lineups as well. I don't think I'm going to have any Janes. I think that fight is all Marshman. He's the biggest favorite on the card for a reason. However, DraftKings, if he doesn't knock him out, you just don't score too many points with significant strikes. So I like your Pantoja play more because he's going in against a retiring Siri. And the way he's going to win is by takedowns and submissions. And that's where you get the points. Takedowns, the advances. They rack up points way more than the strikes do. So I like that play more than Marshman. However, I do like both guys to win. Uh, but I'm going in the main event. I like Gunny Nelson quite a bit in that main event. Uh, I think the ground game is going to be too much, especially in five rounds for Ponzi. Uh, he's eventually going to get him down and I think put him out. So if, if I can save that $300 on DraftKings going down from Marshman to Gunny, I like doing that actually. Kyle, tell me if I'm thinking like a DraftKings player now, man. So we got this fight between Khalil Roundtree and Paul Craig. And I know for a fact, you know, watch me be completely wrong, but I know for a fact this one's ending in the first round. Either Khalil Roundtree is going to get a first-round knockout or Paul Craig is going to get a first-round submission. So this is the spot where I put both guys on, uh, on separate lineups, right? You are thinking like a DraftKings player. Exactly, yeah. This is a fight you can't miss. I mean, if, even if you don't, know who's going to win this fight, you got to have them in your lineup because whoever's going to win is going to win a tournament because they're going to have more than 100 points on their team. It's going to be that first-round finish. Uh, I agree. I want to have both these guys. If I have 10 lineups, maybe I would go five round three, five Craig. Um, but if I'm picking a side on this, I'm going to have to go Craig just because that ground game scores more points. So I'm going to have to root for the takedown, give me a sub, and uh, give me a big underdog to come through. But, like you said, both guys need to be on GPP lineups. Now, I normally like to take underdogs in my lineup, but I was speaking with you off air. You told me that I should actually keep this away from my lineup, and we got Joanne Calderwood. She's plus 185 against Cynthia Calvillo. Look, I think Calvillo is really good, but I also think she's really green and inexperienced. I think this is a perfect spot to take the vet, get that, uh, get that upset against someone who, you know, at most, in my opinion, Kyle, should be a minus 135 favorite, not a minus 225 favorite. But the thing is, if Joanne wins this fight, she's most likely not finishing it. So, And the favorite will finish if she wins the fight. So it's kind of interesting. It's either Cynthia or Pass from a DraftKings perspective, right? Yeah, see, I think um, the Calderwood play, if you really like her to win, you should bet her. However, I'm not sure how much she's going to score on Cynthia because Cynthia's going to be going for the takedowns. Um, and if she's on her back, she's not going to be scoring a lot. So, I mean, I've also been wrong because she doesn't finish a lot of fights, but when she fought Letourno, she scored 141 points. So, Holy shit. if somehow she could pick her apart and finish her in the third round like she did Letourno, then she's going to score high. I just don't see that happening. So I think if, if you're going to 
want a sweat on this fight, you should just bet it at the dog odds. However, if you do like Cynthia to win, she should score highly because she's going to go for the takedowns and possibly get that submission. And that's exactly what you want on the DraftKings side. So from a DraftKings angle, I agree. It's Cynthia or nothing. But if you like Joanne, just bet it. I don't know if she's going to score very highly in DraftKings. Well, I do like the sweat, so I did take that that underdog shot. And, uh, man, you've been enjoying this uh, Mayweather-McGregor press conference tour? Oh, yeah, man. I, I, I did. Uh, today was good, too. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for the fight, either. Man, it's awesome. You know, I'm really enjoying this a lot. I know it's funny. A lot of people, a lot of hardcore fans are trying to act like they're not excited about this, but uh, they're excited. <laughs> they're excited about this, Kyle. Yeah, they're going to be showing that 100 bucks, dude. They're looking forward to it. There's just haters love to hate. This is true, man. And haters have loved to hate Conor McGregor for a very long time. Now, I know we're not going to get too much into this. This isn't the Mayweather uh, McGregor edition of half the battle, but. How amazing would it be, you know, just as a moment in sports history, if Conor McGregor did the unthinkable, go into another man's sport and take on the greatest of all time and beat him? No, it would be unbelievably amazing. I hope it happens. Uh, Not only can I not root for Floyd just because he's a woman beater, um, but I've been big-time Conor fan since he stepped into the MMA, uh, mainly UFC. I didn't really know who it was till his first fight, and I did my research. And then, like, immediately he was one of my favorite fighters. And then he talks the talk, and he backs it up. Love everything about it. I, myself, have uh, 100 bucks at plus 600 on that. Uh, and then today I threw just 10 bucks, But third-round KO gets you plus seven, uh, 7,500 odds. So I had to throw 10 bucks on that right come on it's gonna be in the first four like he said <laughs> that's right i like it to go three rounds let's get that money yes sir kyle marley putting his money where his mouth is everybody so kyle man anything else you want to tell the fans uh, before we talk next week i'm in that's it uh good luck to everybody if i don't win i hope one of you guys do yes sir follow this man at big marley three uh kyle keep it up man uh this time you told us who you're playing. Thank God we don't gotta we don't gotta play a guessing game anymore. And uh, man, <laughs> let's uh, let's cash these bets and let's win uh, these DraftKings lineups, man. Let's do it, man. Good luck. All right, brother. Talk to you next week, man. All right, buddy. Take care, man. Big Marley, man. I, I really gotta step up my DraftKings game, man. I, the bets, obviously, long term, they're on point. But damn, there's this DraftKings thing is just a, a new game to me, man. Yeah, man, I gotta figure out this DraftKings thing. Uh, this DraftKings thing, man. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting into it. And we gotta talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Glasgow? Uh, the fight to watch for me is gonna be Jack Marshman and uh, Ryan James. We know James is gonna come after it with that chin up in the air, and I want to see if Marshman can have a highlight real KO, and if James can pull off the unthinkable, in my opinion, and grind him out and win a decision. My fight to watch is Paul Felder versus Stevie Ray. Look, I want everyone listening to this to turn up the volume when Stevie Ray walks out and tell me if you've ever seen a walkout like that because I know for a fact that the Scotland faithful, they're going to be showing out for their dude, especially when their dude's named Braveheart. You know, this ain't no this ain't no bitch. This is fucking Braveheart we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? This is a big Scottish staple. This is the number one fighter out of Scotland, right? I mean, they're... JoJo ain't better than him. Bear Jew ain't better than him. Who else? Scott, fucking Robert Whiteford ain't better than him. I'll tell you that right now. This is the number one Scottish fighter on the planet. He's taking on a very tough, hard-hitting, dangerous opponent who can also be flashy in Paul Felder who hasn't quite lived up to his potential, but we know it's there. We know this dude can strike, so that's my fight to watch, man. I just can't wait to see 
you know, what's going to happen. I can't wait to see if they're going to stand and bang till one guy falls or if Stevie can be smart out there or if Paul can walk him down and land the hardest shots. That's why that's my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Glasgow? Man, my fighter to watch is going to be Santiago Ponzinibbio, man. Like I said, I want to see if he can go out there, take out the eighth-ranked guy in the world whose losses are to two of some of the best, and I want to see if he can be in that top ten and him being a couple wins away from a title shot. Look, my fighter to watch is Albert the Warrior Morales. I know that he's a plus 325 underdog here. I know that the odds are stacked against him. But like I said, this is a kid that's overcome a lot of adversity, not just in the octagon, but in his personal life. And, you know, like I said, he's got 37 minutes of octagon experience. He's taking on a guy in Brett Johns who is, you know, is a regional champion. He's beat UFC vets, you know, on the local scene. He's done it all, man. His entries to his takedowns are amazing. But I think that if Albert goes out here and if he can beat a guy as tough and as good and as gritty as Brett Johns, the sky's going to be the limit, man, because his only UFC L is against the likes of Tomas Almeida, who we know is fighting the very good Jimmy, the very great Jimmy Rivera. So Morales could be right up there with a win here, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, Albert's no slouch, and we're going to see if th this line was incorrect. Yeah, I'm very curious to find out firsthand. You know, watch Brett go out there win a <laughs> decision. But, man, I, I have to find out these odds, yeah. so hell yeah. Well, dude, we did it. It's going down this Sunday afternoon. UFC Glasgow, Gunny Nelson versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Shaq, you want to let them know where to follow you? Anything else you got coming up? I saw you've been doing a little writing again. Yeah, man. Um, you know, we won, had a perfect weekend last weekend. And uh, hopefully, you know, I just keep it simple this weekend and hopefully I end up winning. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, follow me at MMA Genius 05 and uh, follow uh, at TSM underscore MMA. Yes, sir. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can go to bestfightpicks.com for my plays. BestFightPicks.com slash record if you want to check out what you know what the numbers are because they're looking very fucking good. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now. And uh, make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. I know I said SoundCloud. I heard that SoundCloud might be disappearing in about 50 days. I hope that's not true because if it is, I got to find a new home, which you know I, I'm known for overcoming adversity, <laughs> so I will do that. But I hope that's not the case. I hope they can find a good investor, go out there. You know, because, I mean, come on. SoundCloud is fucking awesome, man. We got to keep this shit alive, bro. Yeah. But uh, I want to thank all the fans for checking this out. And I want to specifically thank all the fans that stick with me, win or lose. You know, because I know with some people, they only love me when I win. And they love to hate me when I lose. But the people that stick with me, win or lose, this shit's for you guys. So I really appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.